Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Just in case uh, you weren't sure, I'm not pastor. He says hello, sends us love. He's ministering in South Tampa this morning. He'll be with us tonight. And uh, so, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I believe we're like in the middle of June. I can tell by some of your sunburns, yeah, that you're enjoying it. But still, this year, the year of acceleration, it certainly has been or, or will continue to be. Who's doing announcements? Come on up, love. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing this morning? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. My name is Lexi. I'm an intern here at Life Family Church. And if you were a um, newcomer here this morning, you should have re- received this packet from the Source Center. If you could just um, take this little, oh, let me get it out. If you could just take this card out and fill it out, and then return it back to the Source Center, there's a gift in there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Also, how many of you in here love to read? Come on, everybody should love to read. Yeah. Well, if you don't like to read, I promise you would love to read this book. It's grown up spiritually by Kenneth Hagin. I read it last summer, and I enjoyed it so much. I highlighted and highlighted and highlighted. I don't know how about many of you in here, but I highlight and write in all my books. So, yes. um, This is a summer read for this summer, you guys. It's free with every purchase in the Source Center. So if you guys would like to go and get this book, it is free with every purchase. Um, we have connect groups on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m., we eat, and then we dive into the Word of God. I love to eat spiritually and physically, so, right. you know. <laughs> All right, and the door's open at 6 o'clock. Um, also, how many of you men in here are going on the Texas trip? Yeah. All right, well, get your deposits in. The last day is July 14th, so you want to get those in before then, okay? All right, and then we have productions here. Morning, everyone. Morning. How's everyone doing? Amazing. Awesome. You look great. So I'm Andrea, and Jen and I, we work in the productions team here at Life Family Church with a few other volunteers, and so we are helping get the podcast to you guys on your phone or desktop, and so uh, I just wanted to find out who's been listening to the podcast through their phone and device. Awesome. It's the easiest way... um, my favorite testimony of the podcast is my husband, Gabe, he works like really long hours, and so he'll plug it in while he's working, uh, not while he's driving, hopefully, but he'll <laughs> plug it in when he's, you know, throughout his day, and he'll come home with nuggets. Oh, pastor said, and things that I didn't even remember on Sunday will be, re, you know, revisited and, and revived in his heart, and so he'll always come home with a nugget. You know, you can't really, while you're working, sit and devote the time, but at the same time, he's learning while he goes. So that's something that's really powerful about the podcast. So every week we have a podcast go up and it's um, the services from here. So I really encourage you to just plug it in um, while you're doing the dishes. Pastor Marie has great (laughs) examples of ways to do it throughout our daily lives that just keep us connected. So if you have any questions or you want to get plugged in, you don't know how to set it up on the device, we can go ahead and step um, walk you through it. So if you have any questions, come to us. All right. And with that being said, remember to check your email and connections. We don't have a bulletin here at the church, but we do have email connections. You can check us out on our website. And if you have any questions about getting connected with us, just see us in the Source Center and we'll answer any questions. Amen. Amen. So as we prepare our offering, I thought I'd ask for a couple testimonies. 
Michelle, uh, Mr. Josh, come on up. You know, um, it's good to hear from our family in the Lord about how the Word's working in their life, isn't it? Um, and when you tithe and you give offerings and God manifests uh, himself in your life beyond what you could have done, it's important that uh, we share that with each other because we're all running that race together and it, it should strengthen us. It strengthen, even if nobody else strengthens me. <laughs> so uh, they're going to share about what God's done for them lately in their finances. Amen. So it was about, uh, about three and a half months, four months ago that I got a promotion at the place that I've been working. I've been with them for five years and there's something that I've always wanted to do. And uh, went through all the training and everything. Just the opportunity was never given to me. But about four months ago, one of the managers came to me and said, I've got a spot open. I want to give it to you because every time I've ever asked you to do something, you've been instant to do it. And he's like, I know your integrity. I know your character. And I feel like you'd be the great fit for this office. So it came with a little bit of a raise. He said, you're already kind of at the cap of where we can go. But I want to give you a little something. So came with a little... Raised there. Woo-hoo! It's exciting. Oh, it's a new, yeah. new adventure. Oh, awesome. I'm yeah. loving it. Okay, I'll keep my short. It starts about 10 years ago. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so I became a nurse 10 years ago. My first job was at an assisted living, and um, I remember a nurse used to come into the building and see all of the residents, and I was like, oh, that would be a cool job to have. Fast forward a couple of years later, we moved down to Florida. And I was like, oh, I think I'll try home health. Um, I learned how to be a, become a nurse off of YouTube daily. Good job. <laughs> Are we to learn how to do Company. anything? Go to YouTube. <laughs> Change an engine or become a nurse. Okay, so that was just a little extra. So, um, so I had this home health job, and I had it for years, and I loved it, and I, I just I stayed with the company, and I had friends and family there, and I was really invested. But I went to my spiritual authority, and I asked them about it, and um, Pastor Marie said, it's, "It's not a sinking ship; it's a Titanic. Get out." So I. I was good, I listened, but only a couple months later, so I wasn't completely ruined because I was obedient, and they still owe me money. They still owe me $1,400, so if your spiritual authority tells you to do something, do it. Amen. Run, get out, listen, be obedient, and then the Lord will bless you. But because I still am a giver and a tither, the Lord has still blessed me. So um, so I got a new job with... Um, as soon as she told me that, I had already started in the works. So you kind of know what you're really supposed to do. Then you go to your spiritual authority, and they just kind of tell you, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. So, so I got a new job, so I'd already started a new job, and there's a brand new assisted living facility down the street here. It's on Grant Street. There's a big like water pond that you can walk around, and it's brand new, and I had heard around because I had nurses that had worked for other companies and had already moved on and said, oh, our company is trying to get that job. They're trying to get in, and what happens is they get one home health agency in, and then you're the nurse for that building, pretty much, even though you're a home health nurse, so you go and you do your job and you leave. So I was just driving by the building, and I said, Lord, I know all these other agencies are, um, they've been around for a while, they've got a reputation, the agency I'm working with has been brand new since August, but I would like to be the nurse for that building. And so every day I drove by, I said, I would like to be the nurse for that building, Lord, I don't know when it opens, I don't know if it's opening, and I don't know if my agency is even going to try to try for it, but I would be like, so every day I just kept... Every time I drive by it, every time I thought about it, I said, I would like that, Lord. You know the desires of my heart. You want to give me the desires of my heart, so I'll be it. So so 
all of a sudden I got a call and said, okay, we got two new patients in this new facility and the other home health agency that had gotten the contract has been fired. <laughs> I said, okay. And they're like, they're looking for a Southern Baptist. Yes, ma'am. Y'all, thank you. Loving Jesus, Bible thumping girl. I said, that's me. <laughs> So, and I'd also been driving around, and I've been driving a lot of miles. I've been going from Zephyr Hills to Ruskin, all over Tampa, just driving. I said, Lord, I need you to make these stops closer, because I'm just driving way too much. And not only did he make the stops closer, he made them in one building! (laughs) So, a couple lessons there. Be obedient to spiritual authority, and if you want something, speak on it, and believe the Lord to bless you. And be a tither and a giver, and he's not only going to bless you what you think you deserve, he's going to just give it all back way more. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, as uh, we're ready to receive the offering, go ahead, gentlemen. I just want to point out a couple of things. Um, although God is obligated to bless us financially when we're tithers, he can't do it without the cooperation of our mouth. And notice how Josh's character and integrity had preceded him. And so people are watching. And, and although we lack character and integrity, our society, um, people are looking for it. Um, and so you can be promoted off that alone. And with Michelle, notice how she said, Lord, this is what I would like. So you got to put your, you're putting your faith on something is putting your mouth on it. That's right. Because faith without works is yeah. dead. That's so you right. can have faith in your heart, but it's dead faith until we open our mouth and say, well, she said, God, I'm a tither, and um, this is what I would like. I would like to be closer to home. I would like to have a job in this building. And so she got what she said. Imagine that. I think I've read that, Mark 11, 23. <laughs> You have what you say, not what you think or wish for or want or think you deserve. You have what you say. Amen. Amen. So God is good. He's so faithful. Um, And, you know, Satan tries to complicate it, or some theologians do. It's just not hard (laughs) to do it. Um, Where we can get tripped up is we think it's taking too long. Like Josh said, he'd had a couple promotions between this one and and in the past in five years, but this is the one that he'd wanted. But you know, until it's that fourth fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, mm, P word, <laughs> patience. Yeah. And just keep doing it until, and when you realize it's one life and you're not going to die, you're just going to change the locations. You're not so, um, irritated by what you think is, is something not happening quick enough. Right. Yeah, because remember, you're in time, but God's in eternity. Okay. Um, and, but you're an eternal being. So uh, since God's perfect, he's not the one that needs to change, right? Amen. Amen. So we get to change that. Let me get my second pair of eyes. So <laughs> did we receive the offering? or I'm, We did. Okay. No, Christian said no. Okay, can we, do we take a vote? Um, okay. <laughs> Let me pray over that. Father, we're so blessed that we have an opportunity to bring our tithes into the storehouse. And in addition, Father, give offerings. And we say to those tithes and offerings today, go, grow, and we'll see you soon. Because we know that you multiply that seed back to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So uh, do we have a little graphic that I sent you all? Oh, there we are. So that's the sermon title, Don't Take the Bait. Um, or I want to talk to you on how to dismiss offense from your life. 
And so uh, Jesus asked us to be fishers of men, right? Which meant he asked us to cast a net, but he did not ask us to bait people. And so I remember years ago, I was in a conversation with uh, someone that was in my life at that time, and they would often uh, try to bait me, and I would say to them, I'm not a fish, I'm not taking the bait. That was my effort at diplomacy. I'm not sure it worked. But uh, <laughs> so uh, Satan has got bait for you. He wants you to take it hook, line, and sinker. So say this out loud. I won't, I won't take, the bait. take the bait. I will dismiss, I will dismiss offense. offense. Aren't you excited you showed up today? Yes. Okay. This is what the word dismiss those. Dismiss means. So if we're going to do something, we need to know how to do it. To allow to go. To give permission to depart. To remove. To reject. To discard. Put aside even from consideration. And to be done with. So I know there's this little cartoon. I think it's the Frozen movie, the theme song, or says let it go. And so sometimes, hey, if you need to sing the song, sing right along uh, when an offense comes. But uh, there's just some things in your life. Have you ever felt like I just need to be done with that? Yeah. yeah, there's some things that you can just decide I'm done with. It doesn't mean that you don't have to put any effort. I know, in particularly at the end of 2018, there was something that I was very aggressively determined not to take into 2019 with me. It was really important. And I was working very diligently, very hard on it because it was an internal thing. Sometimes external things, we feel like we can uh, deal with those quicker. Uh, so it was an internal thing. And uh, I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown around New Year's because I was like, it's literally New Year's Eve and I feel like I'm taking this into 2019 and I'm, not, I'm just not taking it. I don't know what we need to do here if it's not go to bed, but this is not coming when I wake up in 2019. So sometimes you have to really be aggressive and do whatever it takes and just be determined. I just have to be done with that. Why? Because it's, you know it's hindering your own life. It, there's there's no one in your way, not even Satan, except the person in the mirror. And sometimes you just have to get aggressive and deal firmly with uh, your flesh in an area, whether it's an internal uh, issue or an external issue. At its very least, offense is very dangerous for you. At its least, it's very dangerous. At its most, it will cost you everything. Um, and interestingly, the Bible instructs us, commands us, that we're actually not even permitted to take offense. And most of you would probably say this, I'm not offended. I got my feelings hurt. But since the definition is the same, we need to understand. Um, when you get your feelings hurt, just say this. Say, when I get my feelings hurt, that's offense. Okay. So we don't, when someone goes, you're offended, we don't want to use the, the profound, deep motto of the deceived. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> we want to not use that because that puts up a barrier for you not to receive help or instruction. And it's a barrier that, that hems you in. So people say they're not offended, there's hurt, same thing. This is the definition of offense. And let's see if we can maybe locate ourselves in one of these adjectives. Irritation. Anyone ever been irritated in the fast food line? Yeah. Okay. Uh, annoyed. Anyone ever been annoyed in the grocery checkout line? Okay. Anger. Anyone ever been angry with something or someone? Resentment. Displeasure. Anyone ever been displeased? Maybe even this morning. Okay. Um, 
to affect the senses disagreeably hurt or pain. So have you ever had your, your feelings hurt by something someone did or said? Have you ever had your feelings hurt by something that someone did not say to you or do for you? So are we all in the same boat this morning? We're offended. <laughs> and see, if we say we're not, that's dangerous to us because it can remain because you don't recognize it. Anything you defend, you keep. So when you say, no, I don't, you're keeping that, be sure that you want to keep that. It also removes the ability for anyone that was trying to help you have some introspection, since you can't see your own forest for the trees, it shuts their mouth. Okay. Yeah, and then you get to keep that on the inside of you and remember that it's destroying you, not them. So that's the definition. Uh, so we're all in the same boat, and hopefully by the end we all want to paddle the same way. <laughs> and not in different directions. Anybody ever been rowing in a canoe at camp with somebody or church camp, and for the love of God, you could not get those people rowing in the same direction at the same time. And you're like, either you're getting out of this boat or I'm getting out. <laughs> we used to take, uh, when we were youth pastors prior to our deliverance, um, we got to, no, it was a lot of fun. We were much younger, take the youth on a whitewater rafting trip, one of my favorite things to do. But that's six people rowing, that you got to be able to go oars up on the left, down on the right. You have to give a lot of instructions <laughs> without looking, and, and if it doesn't go well, then we're all going down the waterfall together. So uh, we need to row in the same direction. So turn with me in your weapons manual to Matthew 24. Matthew 24.10. So Jesus was teaching the disciples about this subject. And he said to them, and then, so again, pay attention to the that, the this, and the therein, because then lies the revelation. So when was then? He was speaking about the last days, which we very clear that we're living on. How close we are to them is, is something else. But we're definitely in the last days. So he said then, which for us is now, shall many be offended. That means offense will be common and the majority. So if there's a uh, hundred people in here, the majority is 75. So in any room, any workplace, any family, if there's 12 people in your family, what's the majority? Half is six, so that's not the majority. So over half, eight to 10, are offended at this moment including us, right, because we've just identified that we were irritated at Walmart, you know, irritated in traffic, annoyed, displeased, etc., um, with all kinds of things, probably yesterday and today. So he says, many, the majority, this will be common, will be offended, but look at the word offended in the Greek, entrapped, tripped up, stumble, and enticed to sin. The reason the definition in the Greek is enticed to sin is because this is a backward progression, I'm entrapped. First thing offense does is entrap and snare me. And then it causes me to stumble. And then it entices me to sin. Because when you're offended, you can't see the truth. And you begin to be permissible. Well, I deserve that. You begin to do things that, that will soothe you, that uh, the world offers, that the Bible calls sin and the world does not. So the end result is of what we call backslidden saint. People don't walk out of church on Sunday and end up dancing on the bar on Friday night. There was a progression backwards 
a step back, a sliding back, however you want to call it. Uh, the Bible defines backsliding, though, as if I walk up to light today and I step back from it and go, I don't really believe that's not me, I just backslid. To take a step back from light is called backsliding to God. What happens is you just keep on backing up the bus. So <laughs> eventually, you're going to let go of faith to get saved. You know, I don't believe in finances. I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe that you have to do this to go. I mean, it, well, you just let go of all your beliefs at some point. It becomes uh, easy in practice. So I always say this. You want to be in an awesome state of perpetual front sliding. So if it looks like you are sliding into home, tearing up the dust, tearing up your shins, you just front slide, though. Yeah. You know, you Amen. fall... Fall forward, right? We're going to fall. Let's fall forward. Pastor always says the direction's forward. So we're going to fall. We're going to get dirty and we're going to stumble. But let's do it in a forward direction. Offense is a weapon of mass destruction. It's like biological warfare. So in the natural, uh, in the natural, but it's very unseen and very subtle. In fact, it can remain in large quantities without you even noticing it in your life, especially if you don't accept God's definition for it. If we say, oh, I'm hurt, but I'm not offended. Again, you're just deciding what the Bible means instead of listening to what God says it means about us. And so uh, it says in this verse, uh, they're enticed to sin and shall betray. This was not an option. Shall is the strongest word in the Bible. It's a commanding word. In other words, when you are this, you will do this. So you're like, how did that person go from that to this? There's no origin in the word for these backsliding things or these betrayals or these love blessing in his body but a point of offense so even if we want to deny the point of origin in our own lives everybody else knows that it's there they may not know what the origin was but we can agree that it is present according to jesus there is no other point of origin so we don't need psychoanalysis to figure out the roots okay just because the world says a label this is the root of it does that make it truth Just because the world can come up with a medical name for the root of a disease or a medical name for the the word of a psychiatric issue, does that mean that's the origin? No. No, God says the origin of all the things is this on the inside of us. This is the point that it starts, and so you want the Holy Ghost to shine that light on you. And so you shall betray... Which the word betray, again, don't interpret the Bible with your American English vernacular. Interpret the Bible with the Bible. The word betray in the Bible means to not believe anymore, not believe a person's words, to distrust, to let go of, to fall away, and then you cause hazards too. Whether you become a person who talks about them, slanders them, libel. Libel is putting it in print. That's what you get sued for because you put it on Facebook or Instagram and somebody screenshotted it. That's libel. That's in print. Okay, you begin to cause, you begin to hazard one another and shall hate, which that means love less and persecute one another. Do you see this path when it's not stopped? And and so we would think, well, these are really, really strong words. I would never persecute somebody or hate somebody even if I was offended with them. Well, the Bible says that you do. So hold on, because I'm going to get there. Show us. We want to know, right? Crack kills in our life, and we want the, the light of the candle of the Holy Spirit to shine on the innermost parts of us so that we don't, we're not self-deceived. Remember James talked about two forms of deception. The Satan would come as a deceiver, which would not have the power over you of you deceiving yourself. Really different for us to, to deceive yourself, you have to walk up to light and deny it. Mm-hmm. To be deceived by Satan, you can not have seen the light yet, but you still have a chance to see the light. That's why your self-deception has a greater power over you than his. Because right. he's not the boss of you. You're the boss, right? Yeah. 
It's a weapon of mass destruction. It causes far more damage on the inside of us, in our hearts, our minds, and even in our bodies. So we could, talk, we could say Satan is like an evil puppeteer. So have you ever seen a, a puppet show? You know, it's behind a stage, and the whole goal of a puppet show is that you don't see the puppeteer, right? You don't see the person. If you have a marionette, you don't see the person controlling the puppet. So I decided I'd make a puppet. The kids could have done better. Sorry, I didn't do good in art class. But this was <laughs> all I had in my house for, for my puppet. So let's pretend that this is my puppet show and you can't see me. Good morning. I love you. Want some candy? I know you want candy. Pastor Marie gets lots of candy. But not in here, in King's Kids. If you're in King's Kids, you get candy. In the sanctuary, you get steak. Okay? Okay. So we all know. We're all about that. Okay. So the whole goal of this success, and although my mouth wasn't moving a lot, uh, the whole goal of success of a puppet show is that you cannot see the puppeteer. Satan is not looking for credit. He is looking to be the evil puppeteer. He is looking to control and dominate you and that you will accuse other people of being the puppeteer. He loves it, loves it when you, you uh, mistake his actions for people's. So he is the evil puppeteer in your life. Satan is a spiritual being, and all the works of darkness are birthed from the spiritual realm. To successfully defeat him, he must be dealt with on a spiritual level. So that's why the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Go to Ephesians 6.12. We're not going to wrestle against flesh and blood. But the very first thing that causes us to take the offense, uh, offenses can come. And you're not going to stop them from coming. That's not your job. You're not authorized to stop offenses from coming. Jesus said they were going to come and more of them and faster. Heads up. Yeah. But you couldn't stop stop them from coming at you, but you could stop from taking it. But I think most of us probably aren't quite succeeding it. It's hard to get rid of once you take it. But there is a method for stopping it right here when it comes. I don't have to let it get in me. But that one had to immediately go, that's Satan, not that person. Yeah, not that person. If I looked at that person, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that to me. They just betrayed me. They just hurt my feelings. I, I just don't even know them anymore. I have now assigned Satan's tactics to a human being. I took the bait. Say this. I won't take the bait. I will dismiss the offense. Now, for the, the offenses that we have with us today, I'm going to tell you how to get rid of those. But <laughs> it's better to, to stop it from entering by that method. Okay, Ephesians 6.12 says this. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, powers, master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness. Here's the passion translation, part of it, and this is what I love. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. Mm. Amen. Now, in the natural, I've taught you many times, if I want to reach for anything, the candy bar, the pizza, <laughs> anything, I'm going to use my hand. I'm going to reach off a shelf. I'm going to reach into a drawer. Anything I want, I'm going to reach with my hand in the natural, yes? But in the spirit, my reach is my mouth. My hand is my mouth. So I reach with my mouth into the heavenlies, and I pull it down into the natural. 
Well, I'm a physical hand. My Father, I believe that you're my healer. I believe that you're, I pull things with my reacher. This is my reacher. So it says in the Passion Translation, our hand-to-hand combat. My mouth-to-mouth combat. That's hand-to-hand. My mouth against Satan's mouth. Not my mouth against a person's mouth. Not my mouth turned on a person as a weapon against my own brethren. But knowing who the mouth is combating. Dealing with that. That means you might not want to tell them to their face like Jesus did. Get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Peter was like, whoo, yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying to be weird and crazy. There's that line between stupid and crazy. Stay on the, the left side of it. So you have to, in other words, you have to answer offense. You have to answer irritation. You have to answer your, when you get annoyed. In other words, if you're just like, and then you just let that go. And then you say, I'm going to let it go. Again, you're battling Satan with thoughts instead of words. Or you're thinking, oh, I let that go. Why don't we just be sure and answer it? I don't take that. I dismiss that thought in Jesus' name. I'll give you an example. Uh, I was in the, the fast food line. And um, getting coffee, which I do on a regular basis. In fact, first thing, friendly basis with the worker that works on the same schedule as me. He makes me very happy. He's always a smile on his face. And so, uh, but I'm in the line. And sometimes people are just taking a long time to decide what they want. I'm like, we've all been sitting here for 20 minutes before we got up to the speaker. We've plenty of time to decide what are the three things they have to offer that we want today, right? <laughs> and so... Has anybody besides me ever got annoyed because you kind of like your food the same day you ordered it? Uh, yes. Okay, sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, so you're pulled up and I thought, I'm irritated or annoyed because whatever we're doing obviously is far more important than what all they're doing. And we've got things to do and places to go and people to see. And I thought, what am I doing? That is the height of ingratitude. And so I, I answered it in this manner because it wasn't directed towards a particular person or establishment. Uh, Father, I thank you for this establishment that makes coffee so I don't have to. Because I'm grateful for anything I didn't have to make. And, and I know it's not two minutes, it's 20 minutes. Like, get over your big self. And, and so I answer myself, and I answer, I'm grateful. And thank you for the stuff. Thank you for the people that got out of bed today to come in here and make the coffee so I can make coffee. And so I answer, I'm answering it. And by the time I was up at the drive-thru, I'm not faking my smile. <laughs> Yeah, or are sincere. And so anytime irritation or annoyance or displeasure or offense, you will have to open your mouth and speak to that. Nope, not taking that. <coughs> Even if somebody meant to spit in your eye and they're happy about it, <laughs> you, can still, you can still answer that and you can still dismiss the offense by positioning your, talking to yourself and talking to the enemy. I don't even have to talk to the person. Does that help? Yes. Say, I won't take the bait. I won't take the bait. I'll dismiss the offense. I'll dismiss the offense. Uh, one of the great things about this is you're sowing something you'd like to read. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about your personality, but mine's that sometimes a bull in a china shop. And I can run over people, and I didn't even know they were there, much less I ran over them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. One time I told God, I said, God, nobody's with me, but behind me. He said, yeah, look behind you. You ran them all over with your little bulldozer. Now go back there and pick them all up out of the dirt. That's what he told me. I was like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I didn't see them because I was up there in my bulldozer. That's when we got to do something. We Some people shut down. 
these dig down, downshift that thing. It's, it's not stopping for anything in anyone. And so, uh, you know, we can all give offenses unintentionally, right? So we want to, we want to recognize others as better than ourselves. So if we think, well, I didn't mean to offend them. Why don't we try thinking that about them? And go, yeah, since they're better than me, they never mean to offend me. And sometimes maybe I meant to. <laughs> never. You have to answer it. Amen. So you answer it with worship. It's one of the easiest ways with gratitude and with blessing. And then you can go so far and say, bless this person, bless it, and mean it. Because by the time you've dealt with your bad attitude of your own self and you've worshiped God and restored your gratefulness and thankfulness that you're even drawing air, much less you have a dollar for the coffee, uh, you're now in a right heart. It's really easy to pray blessing over them because you're not mad anymore. And you realize that your anger was misplaced. Uh, your enemy is skilled in the use of his weapon of offense. So we have to be as skilled in taking the sword of the word and the shield of faith. The sword, that this is our offensive weapon, right? To the enemy, not each other. Uh, and so we want to be skilled in that. But you know, in, the, in Ephesians, when it says, taking the shield of faith, Ephesians 6.16, are you there? Or did I tell you to go to a different verse? No, I said 12. Okay, so go down a little bit. It says this, underline it if you have a writing implement of any kind or highlight it or circle it, taking the shield of faith. And most of us will say, well, I have the shield of faith, so I'm taking the shield of faith. But again, in the Greek, taking doesn't mean I'm in possession. When I got saved, God gave me a full set of armor. But that doesn't mean that it's functioning. If I was Luke Skywalker and I had my lightsaber and my belt, wouldn't that be awesome? But when Darth Vader pulls his, if I don't pull mine and turn it on, it's not going to help. Okay. So you might have a shield or you might have a gun. But having a gun and using a gun are very different. So when the Bible didn't say having a shield of faith, it says taking. Hmm, that must mean something. That taking means I called for it. Right now I'm opening my mouth and I'm calling on my shield of faith. I'm going to need it against these fiery darts. It didn't mean I was in possession of it and I just got to think or feel warm fuzzies. And then I had to call for it. It's not there unless you call for it. Amen. Have you ever heard somebody go, well, that was just uncalled for? <laughs> they're, they're trying to tell you, I didn't call for that. So there's no cause yeah, for that. So it says taking the shield. It means, and it says repetitiously in the Greek, repetitiously. Bring, it's only going to come when you call for it. And you're going to call for it repetitiously. And then uh, Galatians 5, 6, we know says faith works by love which means it's active and efficient. So all the love of God is present in our heart. Again, once again, it's there. Uh, McDonald's is there, but unless I get in my car and go down there to get something, it's not going to benefit me. So the love is there, but unless I draw down and mix faith with it and let it out, it's an action. It's not going to work for me. So saying I have the love of God, that's an awesome cause for celebration. But it'd be more of a celebration on the side of victory when we were exercising that and going, my faith is not going to work without love here. So in other words, if I'm not going to walk in love towards this situation or this company or this individual, then it's going to cost me my faith projects. You can't compartmentalize your life. You got, I've told the story before about my mother-in-law is in heaven and we're going to have a wonderful time together for all eternity. But we were slightly challenged with one another on the earth. And so we were easier to love each other from a distance. But one time, uh, but I was determined to, to improve myself, not her. Work, work on this and overcome. Uh, because it was important not only to be a blessing in her life, but I wanted uh, to be able to be a blessing to others. 
And so uh, one Christmas, particularly before we, I was determined that this would be a good one and I wasn't going to let her push my buttons. She was going to offer offenses, but I wasn't going to accept them. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm ready, right? Fasted, prayed for three days, sat off in ashes and going to do this again. And uh, sure enough, not a couple hours go by and, and there I go, you know, succumbing to that. So uh, women uh, usually go to the bathroom when we want to have a good cry, man. I don't know why, but I guess that's where everybody leaves us alone. So I'm in the bathroom at my parents' house, sitting on the floor, because there's nowhere else to sit. And having a good cry, my husband walks in and he's like, what's the matter? I said, well, I was really believing God for uh, the money for Nepal for these missionaries and it didn't come in. And he explained to me that I wasn't walking in love towards my mother-in-law, which was his mother. And believe me, he had even more challenges than me. He wasn't calling me out on me. He was just informing me of that. And uh, the Lord told me, he said, you can't compartmentalize your faith projects and your love walk. Because you were not walking in love in an area, your faith didn't work in another area. It's just one you. It's just one life. So you can't say, well, I'm, I've got all these faith projects and I'm walking in love, but this, I can't get over this offense. It's not going to work. And so if you're wondering why it's not working, instead of accusing the faith thing and not working, we want to examine it and go, holy, there's somewhere I've got some irritation, I've got some annoyance, I've got some uh, displeasure, maybe a little bit hurt feelings somewhere. Just holy, go shine the light of your word on the inside of me and help me. Have you guys ever had some of those things and maybe really were unconscious and unaware of them? Because it's so, we're, we're such an offended generation. People are looking, they're in a fence looking for a place to happen. Yeah. All day. And some people are out there, they are doing it on purpose. And they love drama and they love to stir it up. So don't save the drama for your mama or anybody else. Because it's, it's satanic. Yeah. And so God's not into drama. So you want to dismiss that. And remove yourself from participating in it. To, to dispense drama is one thing, but to listen to it, you're just as guilty. That's right. Because Proverbs says that the tale dies out when the tale bearer doesn't have anybody to tell. So make sure you're just not the person listening and, and inciting that. So drama is the same as gossip, is the same as slander in the word of God. And so we live in that generation, but we're not supposed to be part of it in the church. Amen? Amen. So blessing can only be present in our lives if there is no offense. You can't compartmentalize it. So go with me to Psalms 1-1, because this is the picture of God telling us what our life is supposed to look like to him and to each other. You're a runner. If you've never been a runner, you are now. God says you're a runner. So listen to this again. These are verses that tell us, we were like, how did that happen? Uh, There are steps in the word. So blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So in this verse, you weren't supposed to be walking. I was a runner. And all of a sudden... I started walking and talking. Somebody came up to me. Ungodly. Drama. I am now walking in the counsel of the ungodly simply because I'm listening. Then what's to say next? Then I begin to stand. Now I'm really giving this conversation a lot of attention. I'm standing. And then what happens to me next? 
sat down on your honky-tonk badoonkadoons. <laughs> yeah, you're a runner. You're not sitting, you're not standing, and you're not walking in this life. And so you don't want to find yourself in that position as you've engaged in a conversation or you yourself have engaged in a thought or feeling on the inside of you. Because you've taken the bait of offense, of an irritation, of an annoyance, of a hurt feeling, is going to cause you to start walking. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Now we need antidepressants. <laughs> yeah, that that, that we are trying to make that light, but it's not it's not really light. The, now I just explained the origin of it. Okay, and so uh, faith is not going to work when those things are present. Amen. So your posture is that a runner. And according to the Bible, we're not even permitted to take offense. Offense has remember it's a two sided coin. It's something that you think you think you think you think you think. Your thinking doesn't make it real. Your perspective doesn't make it real. Just because you think you were wrong or you feel you're wrong doesn't mean it's truth. Okay, there's thoughts and feelings and there's factors and there's the highest truth. And that's usually coming from God. Uh, so just because we have a thought, just because we have a feeling, just because something, well, that's what they said. Well, it doesn't mean that's what they meant. That's what you interpreted or you filtered it as. And so uh, let me go back to ver- that verse there. Of that, you're uh, the runner. So your point of offense, we could say it this way. Could you say it this way? Is my point of failure? Because it cost, cost me to stop running, to stop. Because I got offended. So offense is stopping who? Me. Just you. Yeah. And then now Satan is partying. Because that's all he's interested in. See, he cannot schedule your destruction, but he can schedule your distraction. And boy, will he ever. But your distraction becomes your destruction. Yeah, because that's all he needs you to do is stop running your race. It's two sides of a coin. What you think has been done to you, or some people are offended because they think somebody did not do something for them that they should have done. So it has both sides of the coin that we can ponder on. Like they just weren't being fast enough in the drive-thru, right? Now you're mad. Or you said no whipped cream and they put whipped cream. Yeah, you're irritated. That was an offense right there. I got got annoyed. Open the door, scrape it off, and move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. Yeah, you won't die. Um, listen, a faith, faith, uh, offense is a faith issue between you and God. Because it remo- to take an offense means I have decided to be faithless. It postures me in one of two faithless ways. Something was done to me, and I believe God's not big enough to fix it. So I'm going to think on it, feel on it, pout on it, and talk about it to as many people as I can in as many social formats as I can. Or uh, the other side of the coin is I'm going to think that something was not done for me, passed over promotion, and God's not big enough to fix that. And I will think about it, feel about it, and talk about it. So it renders me faithless in God's eyes. It means I don't trust you, God. And so that's how God views that. And so offense is not between you and anybody else. It's a personal responsibility issue for you, and it's a trust issue with you and God. It's taking personal responsibility. It doesn't matter if they meant to hit you in the eye and spit on your shoe. We have a personal responsibility. We can still not take that. If Jesus was being punched in the face, 
beaten and his hair ripped out and spit on and a crown of thorns being put on his head and he could say, Father, forgive them and mean it. Mean it? Nothing like that has even come close to being done to us. Nothing. Yeah. And if you forget about that, sometimes I measure, Paul's the first person I'm going to hang out and talk. If you want to find me in heaven, find Paul. Uh, Sitting in his classes. But I take his little list. Hey, I was a night and a day in the deep. I was in prison. I'm like, every time I want to feel sorry for myself, go, haven't found myself floating in the ocean in the Pacific on a piece of driftwood yet. Yeah. Not yet been put in prison in, in stocks and chains. Yeah. And so measure, if you want to compare yourself, then take your thumb out of your mouth. <laughs> Get over yourself. Because Paul managed to keep running his race, right, two-thirds of this, that we're sitting here reading while he's floating around in the ocean in prison. He wrote this entire thing while he was in prison. Talk about productivity. We would have all gone, we must be out of the will of God. (laughs) Yeah, and Paul's like, bring me some pen and paper or take this down. Yeah, we're going to make the most of this time. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, because our fathers and mothers have gone before us and Jesus said, I've overcome, then you can overcome, right? So it's a personal responsibility issue. One time, many moons ago, when I first started uh, this campus almost 10 years ago, I was extremely irritated, frustrated, and annoyed with a paperwork administrative issue um, with, with uh, a team that I felt I was supposed to be getting support from. <laughs> and I was disgruntled about it and letting my uh, friend know that it was helping me. And she said to me, um, nicely, you sewed for that. Sister, Yeah. But you know what? I didn't look at her like that. I was like, really? How? <clears throat> it says, humility is your protection from deception. Yeah. Instead of saying, nuh-uh, or I've prayed about it, and my some authority has just told you you're offended. The proper question is, please tell me how and where. You just shined a light on me because you know more than me. Now, I don't have to see it or feel or think it because I'm not that smart. And so what you're telling me is there, so let me examine myself. So I said, how? And she said, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I said, my next question, which might want to be yours, am I still sowing for it? No. Then I can wait this harvest out. Because if I was still sowing for it, she said, you're still sowing for it. Then I would immediately rectify that. So get in additional information when somebody comes up and tells you you're offended instead of going, uh-uh. Does anybody know how to spell that yet? <laughs> Humility, say this, humility Humility. is my protection protection from deception. deception. So here's what we do when somebody says you have an offense. Repent and specifically answer it. Or like my dad would say, with specificity, (laughs) which is a real word. So we specifically, if it was uh, offended about them not being hurt, I answer it specifically. You just don't go, well, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. (laughs) That is not a one-size-fits-ever situation. Uh, phrase, although that is a statement of truth, you're not truly stating it in that situation. Answer that situation specifically. Amen. Amen. After you repent, Father, forgive me. I don't want to take offense, so I'm going to specifically answer that. It, uh, it's your point of failure when you you place you stop and go no further. You stunt your growth. You stunt your emotional growth. You stunt your spiritual growth. You stunt re- your relational growth. It's the place that you go no farther. Um, in, in my uh, field of work, in several fields of work, both I was a bartender, a hairstylist, and now a minister, so all those seem to have the, the psychology <laughs> with it. You know, somebody wanted a free psychiatry hour for their $27 haircut. 
But, um, and so we do a lot of that mentorship now, and that's just interesting to me when I'm talking to somebody how often people are not recognizing of, um, I'll be talking to somebody, and they're, let's say they're 25 years old, and they'll be telling me something, and immediately they revert to a 12-year-old in their conversation. I don't mean sibils, but personality. I just mean when they start relaying that story, you can tell they're about that age in their verbiage and emotions. Why? That point of offense was their point of failure. They stopped at that point in their life and went no further. And so though they're on a 23-year-old body in this arena, and you can talk to them, and I've had conversations where they were 12, they were 16, where they were 30, and, and we just bump around. Now, you're not going to necessarily notice that in yourself, but when your friends identify that for you, uh, don't hate on them. They're just trying to be your friends and let you know something that uh, is hiding. Saying we don't want things hidden. We want things to be exposed yes. by the light of the gospel, right? Because crack does kill. And so we don't want to cover things up. That's not going to help us. Um, how many of you have ever tried to cover up weeds with mulch? Yeah. You may notice they're just like, keep it coming up. They're not gone. <laughs> okay, it's still there. Anybody's mama ever feed them liver and put onions and bacon on top of it? It didn't make the liver go away. Yeah, and so when we cover stuff, it's still there. And so this is, Jesus had this whole principle in the Old Testament. He, he uh, covered sin. But he said, that's not good enough. I'm going, I'm going to, in the New Testament, I want you to be able to remove it. And then, so he wants stuff in your life. He removed it with his blood. So he wants you to take his blood and he wants you to get rid of it. He doesn't want you to cover it up because it's covered. It means it's still there. Yeah, and, and, and crack kills, right? I know Nancy Reagan said that, but the Holy Ghost initiated it. Okay, uh, notice that... Uh, this is interesting. When you're dis- when you're offended, you cannot recognize the truth anymore. That's why you're so dangerous to yourself and other people. Uh, offended people can't tell the truth from non-truth because they have a filter, and so you you'll you'll put up a wall that says, "Well, I can't trust anybody." Your failure to trust the right person in your future will hurt you far more than trusting some wrong people in your past because they're authorized by God to take you in your future, and that's exactly what Satan wanted. Remember, the wall is walling you in. That's right. And so you're self-protect. Well, i got to protect myself. Where's the scripture for that? Jesus is your protector, and he doesn't put walls up. So uh, walls wall me in. And so if I were to offense is like a bullet. If I were to throw this at Melanie, bounced off on her because she didn't take it. Because remember, you cannot take the offense. Now, if I were to put this in its proper apparatus, which someone in here is in possession of because I borrowed it, (laughs) Um, and fired it from its proper apparatus design, it would go on the inside of her. Now, I don't know if you know anything about bullets, but not all bullets go in and out. And even if they do... Unfortunately, you have a bit of a hole there that we can maybe see through, okay? Uh, Another scenario that bullets do, yeah, not very convenient. You're going to need some attention. Uh, You're going to need some medical attention. But with offense, we want the medicine of the work. Uh, A lot of these bullets are designed to go on the inside and bounce all around in you. So they do damage. So offense is, is bouncing on their own inside of you, being destructive. So when you say, I'll just put up walls and I just won't have people in my life and I'll protect myself, you just imprison the person that's got a bullet bouncing around the inside of them that needs medical attention yesterday. Wow. 
And so let's not be overly awed when our life goes backwards and we're dying or when we see those people dying. Walls do not protect you. They will hinder you from receiving the attention that you need medical care for the medicine of the word, the healing balm of Gilead on that. So uh, in the Bible, it says over 100 times for you to trust God. Has anybody ever read a verse that says that you're to trust men? Okay, good. Me neither. I'm not a theologian, just to make sure I was in the right class. There's not one place in the Bible that tells you to trust men. So that's not the issue. Well, I can't trust anybody. And your point is? No. <laughs> um, we are to trust God. Again, if, if I have to say, God, you're not big enough to protect me from these big bad wolf people all around me. And you're not big enough. Then you're not, you're not the God you say you are. You have to realize that you're actually calling God out as a liar. Yeah, when we say you're not who you said you were, or you're, or you're not that, you're for everybody else, but not for me, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, perspective, God has one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're often interested in ours and maybe forget about His. Are you okay? Yeah. Still love me? Okay. Don't be offended with me this morning. <laughs> Matthew eleven six. go there, because this is the verse that says you can't be. But you know that people are sitting in church offended at the things that the pastor says. And and people want to say all the time, well, I would never be offended with Jesus. Jesus is the word. Um, So Jesus said in Matthew 11, 6, happy. You want to be happy? Here's your answer. Everybody wants to be happy, but no one's reading this verse. This is the key to happiness. He who takes no offense at me. Who? Jesus. Jesus said, you're offended with them, you're offended with me. Why? Because when the word was preached to you, the word was taught to you, it was taught to you in a class, it was posted on social media, it was posted on Instagram, you took offense at that word. You thought you were taking offense at that person, like who do they think they are, and they're just talking to me. You don't believe how many times people say, were you talking to me in a sermon? And I always answer, don't you hope so? Amen. I can get out of bed and comb my hair today to come in here and you not be helping me. So I cannot imagine saying that to a minister. I'd be upset if I left and go, I'm not sure anything at all, not one word helps me today. I can see you becoming, though, I'm a little offended. I'd like my offering back. But it's the other way. You were talking about me the whole time. If the shoe fits, look for the second one. They're made for walking. Yeah, and so look at our perspective. We're living in a society. uh, And so, in other words, you're accusing a minister saying, no, those 70 people mean nothing to me. I was only talking to you because you're special, darling. At least you could have thought you're just a princess and so special that he would just ditch everybody else for you today. Now, 69 people didn't deserve to hear a single bit of supply for their life. It was all about you. <laughs> How weird are these things? And so, you know what? The best thing for you to do when you have a thought like that is just go, Daddy, that's not my thought. I, I'm, I might be stupid sometimes, but I'm not crazy. That was the crazy one. <laughs> I don't even accept that. Oh, I had a wicked thought. No, I didn't. That was Satan. I tell on him. That's Satan thought. You go tell him, Father God, what you just told me. Yeah, I don't even accept those as my thoughts because I know I'm not stupid or crazy. You might want to adopt that same mentality. Blame Satan for those nasty thoughts. Okay, no offense at me. The word preached, taught, or counseled, and finds no cause for stumbling in and through me. In other words, your your offense, irritation, annoyance at the word preached was going to cause you to stumble. Not anybody else. It would be your cause of stumbling. Anybody like me ever tripped over your own feet and there's nothing on the ground? It takes nothing for me to just go out here and trip on this carpet. I'll look down and be like, sure enough, yep, 
The own, your own shoes, your own feet, I don't know what it is. But So Jesus is saying, basically, you're just tripping all over your, your own self. So when you stumble over the word, you can't see. That's why Jesus is a blind man and the blind. So now when you take those things, you're going to be sight. Take them if you want to, but you're going to be sight impaired. You're going to be hearing impaired. Uh, and so Satan begins to twist those things. No, remember this. Perceptions and perspective is not truth. Amen. So Abraham said, well, that's my perspective, or that's your perspective, or that's my perception. Great. It's still not truth, though. That's right. And so Jesus, who's the truth? Jesus. He's going to take the word, Hebrews 11, 4, divided between your soul and your spirit. Okay? Uh, you can be so used to offense that you can hardly notice it in, in your life anymore. You know, people don't want to forgive other people because they think they're letting them off the hook. Yeah. It's you that took the bait. Yeah. You need to let yourself off the hook. How irritating it is when you find out that they don't even know that they offended you. <laughs> People are, they have been in the past, nobody here for the last 10 years, irritated at me because I didn't notice they were offending me because it just wrong, you know, went right over your head. It's like, oh, it's mad. You know, and they try harder and you're like, were you, talk, were you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> So um, it's annoying when people are trying to be offensive and you're not even uh, figuring it out. So uh, annoy Satan. Don't annoy yourself. If anyone in authority over your life, a boss, a parent, uh, a mentor tells you you're uh, uh, offended, don't deny it. How and where? Show me. Help me. Don't deny it. Because even just because you don't see it or you don't think it or you don't feel it does not mean it's not present. Can you have things in your body going on that you can't see, Mm -hmm. that you maybe even can't feel, that a doctor can come in the room and say, on your x-ray, no, 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 that's not my x-ray because I don't see that or feel that. But they're telling you. They can see it or feel it. So authority has the ability to see in your life what's going on that you don't. They're designed to protect you and take you into your future. So if they inform you, or your boss says, you have an attitude, I do not. Well, now you do. Look, you did before, right? I mean, okay, so I'm still right. Anyway, you slice that. Just say where did that start and how or how can I get rid of it or something. In other words, posture yourself as, as needing help. Ask the Holy Spirit. Luke 17, 4 says, if someone trespasses against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again. In other words, that was 490 times. So Jesus was telling the disciples, look, if someone offends you or you get irritated 490 times, still forgive them. And Peter's like, Jesus. Help our faith. Like, because in an eight-hour day at your workplace, that's once a minute. And so that you're like, okay, nobody is doing that to you, and hopefully that's not you doing that to them, uh, once a minute for eight hours. What is that? Satan bringing that up. Yeah. That I was running and now I'm walking. Now I'm standing, now I'm sitting. Remember when they said that? Remember that, how you felt? What did you thought? What do they mean by that? And it gets worse and worse and worse. And the more you think about it, and this is the worst thing we do, we start talking about it. Oh. Why don't I get that off my chest? How about you got it off your chest and into your heart? Amen. And you got it into their heart, the person you were talking to. That's well, that's my best friend or my spouse. Is that the person that when it was over? No, then why were you talking? Because Jesus called you gossip and a slander for that. Because you were talking. Well, I'm married to them. That's not the person you have an offense with. You know, it, for me, and maybe this is just me, uh, it is harder for me to overlook an offense done to someone I loved in me. Yeah. It's not easy to, to hurt me. But if you, you hurt somebody else close to me, whew, my boys, like, but on the other coin, 
you good to my husband, you good to my sons, you had me at that. It's a package deal. You don't have to do anything for me ever. So uh, when you're telling another person who cares about you, about an offense you have with somebody, you're causing them a greater problem than you have, and you think God doesn't hold you accountable for that. Because it's much harder for them to get over that. So what do we do? Go to the throne, not the phone. Amen. Okay. Um, offense is like a snake in a grass. Look, we got grass out here. If you get out of bed before you even leave your house, you've got snakes in the grass. You leave your house. In other words, there's offenses everywhere. Stop being surprised that they're coming when Jesus said, hey, they're coming. And so my favorite story about this is literally with my dad, a snake in the grass. Now, he grew up... My father was the inspiration for the Rambo and Indiana Jones movies. That's who they used as the model. Okay, he's the, the original Rambo and Indiana Jones. So he had this little snake kit in his drawer, the kind that you cut with a razor blade and suck the poison out. Now, I, now someone in medical have explained to me the logic in that, since things are absorbed in your mouth better than anything. I don't know why we're sucking the poison out of somebody with our mouth, so now we can die too. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. I don't know. So, but anyway, that that's like all they had and so you cut it little x and i think you sucked it out and hopefully you spit out enough of it and so uh because he grew up with a lot of dogs and a lot of snakes so he would warn us about that so we had a backyard in tampa that was fairly large and i had a dog so my job obviously was to clean up after my dog so that's the poop scooper so i had the shovel out there so i'm home i'm walking through the yard and uh i'm walking this way and the wall of the house is to my left and peripherally i see a snake now, that had so many... I hate snakes to this day. I will beat the ever-living daylight out of one if I can. <laughs> hate them. Yeah. And so, not afraid of them. Difference. Fear and hatred are two different emotions. <laughs> I chop it up into a thousand pieces. Okay, that's hatred, not fear. And, uh, and so, I see it. Now, he explained to me about rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes are cold, okay? And this was a rattler. It's rattling, okay? And it catches my attention. And I can tell it's a, a size. I'm only about eight feet from it. I cannot tell if it can meet my distance. But again, I'm not stupid. So uh, if it's furled up and it strikes eight feet, I'm only eight feet away. So I'm, I'm holding the shovel. Like the picture. <laughs> so when there's a snake in the grass and you don't know what to do, what should you do? Apparently, I'm not a yeller, we didn't yell on our bed, but it was sufficient, and he happened to be home, which is a miracle. He comes outside, comes over to me, and takes the shovel out of my hand, and goes towards the snake. The snake unfurls, and he gets that thing right behind the neck, and guts squirt all over his pants, and I'm like, my dad is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who can chop off the head of a moving rattlesnake in midair, and get it, and I'm like, oh, Uh, it was only about four feet, however, it could have been eight feet, but it didn't matter if it was four inches, a, a rattlesnake is deadly. So there are snakes in the grass. So when there is one, yell out. You don't have to take it. We don't have to get hit by it, but you need to know they're there and what to do with them. And if you are uh, inaccurate with your aim, call on somebody else. <laughs> and if, if you think daddy's not there, whatever, then call, in other words, call for help instead of doing the not off thing. Dad! Pastor! Make sure you have his number, not mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Follow the instructions in the word, not your feelings. Amen. 
Feelings are real, but they're not fact or truth. So we want to use the method that the word... Give yourself time. Stay in the word. Stay in church. Stay with the right people. Give yourself time to navigate, get that offense that you allowed to get out of you. If you don't, it accelerates instantaneously. It'll, it'll take you out and you'll go backwards so fast it'll make your head spin. And you'll say these things. I can't believe that happened to that person. The method. None of us are above the method of, of the word happening. But all of us have the power to say, not to me. Because I'm going to go, Dad! Yeah, and it's not going to be me. I'm not going to get taken out. But do we all have the potential at any moment to remove humility, which was our protection, and succumb to this? Yeah, but we have a method in the word if we'll use it. What does it come from? Pride. That's right. It's in the root. Why humility protects you is because to have an offense, you had to have pride present. To deny pride would mean you weren't humble. Why was I prideful? Because I think McDonald's should serve me faster than they do. (laughs) That's pretty ugly. Yeah, and so you had an expectation of a person. That's prideful. And so you have to tell yourself, where on the earth did I think I could have expectations and I had a right to them? Show me one scripture that tells you you get to expect anything from another person. And that you have a right. Paul said, I give up my rights. I know what they are and I give them up that others may benefit. So I don't know about you. I ask myself personally, um, that, that expectations of others have left me in an internal state of inconsistency, a perpetual state of perplexity, unfulfilled expectations, flailing about in a sea of frustration, in a continual state of confusion. Anybody else experience that with your unfulfilled expectations? Yes. Why can I get these people to do what I want them to do? Because you are not authorized to have any power or authority or control over them. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that's why. So, uh, Offense is dangerous. People leave churches. They split churches. They leave friends. They leave families. They leave responsibilities. They leave jobs. But you know what? They leave their destinies, their callings, and even their lives over them. Amen? So say this. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Dismiss offense. Dismiss offense. So uh, the posture we want to take is that of on our knees, on a servant. Yes? The only problem we have with people is when we get up off our knees and we stop being a servant. Get back down. Servant, an authentic, authentic servant um, doesn't mind uh, being treated like one. Well, they treated me like a servant. <gasps> awesome. Why are you mad? Because they treated you like what Jesus said you were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. It's all good. Yeah, they can treat me like a servant. You're like, you're treating me like a doormat. And your point? I wait for the next sentence because I don't know where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> Hebrews 12.4 says this, that you are to follow peace with all men. Now notice what the word follow means. Hebrews, it means to pursue without retreat. So when we have a situation with somebody, we are to follow peace. That means we are to pursue it. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Anybody know which one of those our military is engaged in? Peacemaking. Okay, keeping the peace just means I stand here. But making the peace means when you cross the line, I've got to make some peace. And making peace is vital. Because we're going to get out the bolts. And we're going to have the ammunition. We're going to have hand-to-hand combat. To make peace is different than keeping the peace. God called you a peacemaker. Not once did he call you a peacekeeper. You call it peacemaker. The kingdom of God suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. That means you have to take these things spiritually by force. That you're to pursue peace, you're to follow after until you obtain it. 
not go, I'll just quit and forget about it. I won't talk to them ever again. That's not peace. That's your relief and your silence is not the same as God's peace. And you did not complete your assignment. So what do we do? Let me just say this. Some people mistake peace for silence. Just because something's quiet. Anybody ever heard about a tsunami? How quiet was it for the tsunami? Never mistake quiet or silence in your life for peace. And that a life of another person. So let's find out, what do we do if we, oops, took the offense? Matthew 18, go there with me. Because there, this is the only place in the Bible that you are given these instructions. And interestingly enough, these instructions are not options. They're commands. But it's written very clearly for us to go, every time we, we have an offense, we can go to this passage, and there are steps that we do in that order. Matthew 18, 15, so Jesus said this in red letters, so we know Jesus is saying, Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, I want to read it out of a couple different translations, so let me read the Amplified. If your brother wrongs you, go and show him his fault between you and him privately. Now, if you've already spoken to someone else about it, did you miss step one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the first person you speak to was not God, not someone else, not your BFF, not Facebook, right? The first person that gets to hear about your offense is who? The person that you have it with. Okay. And that's the only person. Uh, this is do this when you're alone. If they listen to you, then you have helped them to be your brother or sister again. So let me read the Passion Translation. If your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. If he responds, your relationship is restored. But if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again, taking one or two others with you. You'll be fulfilling what the scripture teaches when it says every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the entire church in hopes of restoration. If he still refuses to respond, disregarding the fellowship of his church family, you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. So let's dissect this. Uh, First, above this scripture, here's an option you have according to other scriptures. So let's say I have an offense, uh, that somebody has said something to me that my, I perceive as hurtful. I get, what I want to do right then is deal with it then, answer it, and forgive them. Okay? So this is the ideal situation not to take it. But let's say I, I've missed that mark, and I've started walking started standing, started sitting, thinking, meditating, rehearsing it. Now it's on the inside of me. And so what I have to do is now I'm not over it. Even though I will say, no, I'm over that. The proof that we're not is that we're still talking about it. (laughs) So, oh, I'm over that, but I'm just telling you what happened. No, because if it's dismissed, we're not recalling it. So there's ways to measure whether we actually are over it or not. So if I'm not then the person I was talking to about it again and again and again was God, right? Not another human. Because I'm not permitted at any point to bring this to another human. And so I get to go to that person. But Paul says, I have to go in this manner. The manner in which you go is important. In utter humility, thinking, I am mistaken. 
So you go to say, this Melanie, I have this challenge. You said something the other day that I, I've tried to get over. Forgive me. I have failed. I have now taken an offense. I'm asking you humbly if you could help me with that. And what is she going to say? Yeah. Well, what was it? I'll give you a hundred bucks if somebody can tell you what it was ever when you go to them. Because they can't. Because they don't even know what you're talking about. Because it wasn't intentional. And so when I say, you said this. Well, I said that. But I didn't mean how you took it to me. Okay. I was pretty sure you didn't. But Satan just really been messing with about it. I'm sorry to even trouble you. And you know why you're apologetic for troubling them? Because now you did put it in their heart. So when you're asking for their help, now you're involving them in this. And Satan can mess with them. See, you're always just being so flippant with your words and so harsh. Look, you hurt another person. Now they're dealing with the devil, attacking them. So be sure that you need to go. But you, you have to go. You can't talk to anybody else. Well, I'll just tell my spouse about it. Or I'm that, my best friend. Or I'll just write it in my journal. You don't have a scripture for that. Now, if I go to Melanie and she says, yes, I meant to hit you in your eye, and I'll do it again if you don't get out of my face. You know what? I would be glad about that because at least I don't have truth. I don't like passive-aggressive. I like aggressive-aggressive. And then we know where we stand. Because we got truth. We know where to move. Okay? Off of that platform. When somebody's like, you know, oh, I didn't mean that. You know what I did? Ugh. Passive-aggressive. Snakes in the grass. Hey, you know it's coming. It's going to strike me. I just don't know when. And I'm going to have to chop you into a thousand pieces. <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, when, if she says, yeah, then what do I do? Okay, she didn't hear me. We have step two. But let me tell you who step two involves. Not a peer. Authority. Authority that has the ability to judicate between you two. So, it's probably going to be my dad. Spiritual <laughs> authority, you know what I mean? So, if you have a problem, then a boss, a pastor, somebody who has authority in both your lives to judge. The situation. Adjudicate the situation. You don't go, well, let me just go take two friends in the church and be like, oh, yes, we just cannot believe Sister Smith that you treated Sister Sally like that. No, that's not who you take. You can only take a person who has the ability to judge that situation fairly and go, now, because they're not received, this is where the word wasn't done. We have to get our hearts right. We're going to counsel this and we're going to make nice of here, you you know, little Johnny, you apologize to little Bobby and, and you mean it and all that fun stuff that you get to do. Okay, so this is a method which we don't get to deviate from. Uh, then the, number two, without agreeing. So if you still don't get to talk to another person. So at any point in this passage, do you see where you get to discuss it with a spouse, a best friend, or anybody else? Post it on Facebook. But we're doing that, aren't we? Because yes. the world has we you to get that off your chest, you'll feel better. Whatever you open your mouth to just got in you, you're not going to feel better when something gets off your chest and inside it. Because you've just gone from what's called the frying pan to the fire. Mm -hmm. So when we open our mouth, we get what we say. That means you're eating this, this venom into your own heart by repeating it over and over and over. That's why there's a method. You go to the throne. If you can't overcome it because Satan's really dogging your walk, you know, it's, it's, we don't need to think that we're a faith failure when we have something that we're struggling to overcome. Faith is the fact that you were able to say, I, I need help. Paul said, reach for the grace of those around you. If you were authorized to win this race by yourself, then you'd be on an island. Right. You'd be cast away. Wilson, talking to a volleyball. You know? <laughs> Wilson, he 
even he needed someone to talk to. So Wilson had a face and hair. And so you're not authorized to succeed at this alone. You are to reach for the grace of others and, and reach for help. But God gives you the method. Why? Why does he have this such a strict step-by-step easy method? Because offense was going to be so destructive and so poisonous to you and other people that he needed just to put a simple answer in the word. Hey, it's going to happen. But when it does, follow this method and you will win and come out of it. And I'll use an example of uh, somebody recently because they wouldn't mind, but I'm going to leave the names out. I was in a a meeting and a gentleman came up to another gentleman and this first gentleman said, Hey, uh, Bob, I, I need you to forgive me because I've been offended with you. Oh, and so uh, Joe says, really, Bob? And Bob says, yeah, you told me you were going to do something for me, and it's been four months and I never saw it, but I forgive you. And Joe says, Bob, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I completely forgot about that. I will get that to you right away. And, and Bob's like, hey, no worries, I'm taking care of it. And Joe's like, you know what? I'm glad it's taken care of with you, but I'm going home and I'm going to tell the Lord, show me anywhere else I've made a commitment to somebody that I've forgotten. And they walked away, and that was done. That is a perfect textbook example. True story. Happened two weeks ago. I just left the names out. Perfect textbook example. How easy that was. Just go to the person, say that. No, no, no. You feel a bit, I was so sorry. I didn't mean it like that. It is going to be quick. It is going to be easy. And all that time, we stewed, and we let ourselves get all tormented in our minds and our hearts and our bodies. Had all these ugly things to think, and then worse, had some ugly things to say, which means boom, it rang when it hits you back up the side of the head, because everything you dished out, you get back. And all we could have done simply was either go to God, let him take it out of our heart, and if we were still struggling, go to that person. And, and, and let them be, be, be involved in aiding you in that. How easy is this? And why, why, are we, why do we struggle with doing this? Yeah. Um, honestly, that's the first example I can even think of, of that actually happening, that I know of. Now, I don't get out much. I haven't been around. I'm just halfway around the world, but not all the way around the world. Only 25 years. But um, that's the only example as a minister that I can tell you in 25 years off the top of my head where that just worked. Bada bing, bada boom. It's the word. It works. Most of the time we're counseling because people are not following this method. Amen. So what is God's answer for how to live free from offense? Go to Philippians 4, 8. Let me close with this. I like to say it like this. If it doesn't qualify for your mind, it doesn't qualify for your mouth. So if we put the thoughts in this list in our mind, and this is a way to answer offenses, then our mind is crowded with the word. And it doesn't have the ability to be crowded with those offenses or those thoughts that's mostly Satan's completely manufacturing about another person. Remember, he loves it when you mistake his actions for people's actions. Because he just loves to fester and pour salt in that womb. So the, this is what Philippians 4.8 says. Finally, brethren... This is what you get to think about. Whatever things are true. Now, if you stop right there, you're in trouble because you'll be like, well, it's true. <laughs> okay, but um, one out of eight's not good, and even seven out of eight's not good with God. Okay, if, if some of a list were okay with God, the rich young ruler wouldn't have been told, hey, you've done the nine, that's awesome, now go and do ten. See, it wasn't a trophy for everyone in Jesus' ministry. Oh, that's good enough, you're good. Nine, yeah, that'll get you enough. No, great that you've done the nine. Awesome job. Now go and do ten. And what, do you, what, did, what was his response? He walked away sadly because he wanted the trophy for not finishing. So we don't want to stop there. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, that means power, if there be any praise, think on these things. So, I don't know about you, but sometimes the only thing I can think on that qualifies for this list is Jesus himself. <laughs> but right now, I cannot think of anything, you know, lovely, true, or good report. Maybe you've watched the news or negative or you had a lot of situations, but you know what? Is he the God that's more than enough? Yes. So, if it's only Jesus that meets the list, then you still got everything, right? So, in other words, line your thought up. This thought does not qualify for my mind, according to Scripture. Jesus actually was so gracious, he told you, let me tell you what you can think, and let me tell you what you can feel. Let me tell you what you can do, and let me tell you what you shouldn't do. Isn't he a good daddy? He said, now, choose well, choose life, but again, you know, here's the consequences for both. Fair, because you have a free will. So he is going to help you do your thinking for you. So he wants you to think on these. So when a thought comes, if it doesn't meet this list, then it hasn't qualified for your mind. Had it qualified for your mind, it certainly can't qualify for your mouth. So we don't want to say that thought. Get it out. Amen? Amen? Say, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm going to dismiss offense. Matthew twenty two forty says this, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. What are those two commandments? Love God and love your neighbor. So I thought we would read out loud today, stand with me, the love chapter in the first person. Because when you read out loud, you might want to put this on your computer, refrigerator. Um, First of all, you're opening your mouth and you're answering. So this is something you want to do every day. But put it in the first person. Make it personal. So let's do this together. I endure long and am patient and kind. I am not envious or jealous. I do not boast or display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. I am not rude, and I do not act unbecomingly. God's love in me does not insist on my own rights or my own ways. I am not self-seeking, touchy, or resentful. I take no account of evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice when right and truth prevail. With God's grace, I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ready to be the best in every person. My hope is faithless under all circumstances, and I endure everything with God's grace without weakening. Amen. So join hands with the person next to you and let's close. Repeat this prayer after me if you would like to your Heavenly Father. Please forgive me for taking offense, forgiving offense. I forgive all those who have wronged me. I release all those I have imagined wronged me. I release all those those whom I expected expected to do something for me. me. I forgive myself. I I purpose purpose from this day forward forward to believe the best best of every person, person, including myself, myself, because you are in me, me, 
and I am in you. And I, am in you. I, stand I stand resolute in my resolution, in my resolution. To, love to love like you love, like you love. With, your love. with your love, in and through me. I cannot fail because I will not take the bait. I dismiss offense. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.